Hello and welcome to another edition of the QPR podcast, Up at All Hours. I'm Paul Finney. I'm hosting you poor people. Joining me tonight is um, the wonderful, the brilliant, the talented. I oh, know he couldn't make it, but Paul Stokes did. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. Charming as ever. Can always run out, Finney. Yeah. I haven't introduced you yet. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> No, Paul from Radio 6 and other things, and also music journalist extraordinaire and um, all round good egg. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thank you for having me. Is that better? It's lovely. Thank you. We've got Martin Percival, who just chipped in there, all invited, but doesn't matter. He's always welcome. This is, I think this is your third time. Oh, is it Paul or Martin or second? I think, I think it is, but I think this is probably the first time in at least seven or eight years, Paul. So ni- nice to be invited again. Thank you. Yeah, you're always welcome, Martin. It's just I forget to invite people. I'm <laughs> terrible. I've got a list. And the podcast crew is complete by, with Robert Gilbert. Hello, Robert. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. And thank you for asking. I appreciate that. You're the one that actually asked me how I am, so that'll be noted and you'll get more time than anyone else to speak. I'm not, I'm not that petty. I am. <laughs> um, right. I mean, where do you want to start? Uh, I'm going to start with Paul. Last few weeks, panic, just QPR being QPR, or a blip? I think it's a blip. I mean, I didn't think the West Brom game was as bad as perhaps some of the reaction after it was. You know, but West Brom are in a false league position. They were incredibly well-organised sides, got a new manager. Having said that, you know, they scored for a set piece when they had one other chance in the first half. We weren't outplayed or... You know, it's just frustrating. We did, we're not creating stuff, and I think you know we, we've got we've gone through that phase. We've got we've got some very creative players, and they've scored lots of goals up to this point. And then those sort of players are often the ones that just go into phases of just being out of form. You know, Chris Willock coming back from an injury. You know, Chair I think has uh, did really well while he's been out, but I think you know he's a sense that perhaps he's taken a bit on a bit too much in terms of uh, trying to create everything at the moment, and perhaps just needs to kind of relax a bit. You know, obviously he's probably got the World Cup on his mind as well in terms of. Um, probably the only QPR player going, I think. Uh, so, um, yeah, probably trying to impress the Morocco manager so he, he gets more than a half this time, like he did in the African Nations Cup. So, I think, you know, I think it's a, it's annoying and it's obviously it's annoying two home games with the, the Huddersfield game is your bonus game as well where could have got ahead. But, you know, it's, it's only it's only November. I'd rather have the blip now than like we did March last last season. So, you know, it's, 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 you know let's, let's, let's enjoy Coventry and then have a month off from it and then worry about it all again in December rather than getting too angsty now, I think. Yeah. One more look at Martin. Yeah, I think Paul sums it up nicely. I mean, I, I was at, went to the Birmingham away game. I sat with friends in the Birmingham end. I thought Birmingham were way better than I expected. You know, there's been some pretty shocking Birmingham teams in recent years, but that is a significant upgrade from where they've been. Um, I thought they played well. Uh, the penalty at the end, it was frustrating to see Dykes' penalty saved, but it was a bloody good penalty. And to be honest, I didn't think it was a penalty anyway. I thought it was a soft penalty. So the 2-0 win for Birmingham, I can't really complain about, Paul. Um, I didn't go to Norwich away. There are limits. Um but I thought uh, West Brom, I mean, they could have, that was a horrific miss that they had in the first half. They should have been 1-0 up fairly early on. Uh, that miss at the loft end was, was bad. I mean, I, I think it came at him at a difficult height, uh, but it was a poor miss from the West Brom player. Um, good atmosphere. It was nice to be there. Practically a full house. You know, reasonable West Brom support. As Paul said, they played way better than he expected. New manager syndrome. They're all looking to impress the new guy in charge. West Brom played well. You know, Rangers weren't awful. Uh, we weren't as good as we could have been. It sounded like we did pretty well at Norwich. So that was an improvement from Birmingham. But it's the usual roller coaster with Rangers. You know, we'll see them, you know, not so good one day, very good the next, not so good. Unfortunately, last night was not so good again. I didn't go. Uh, I am going to Coventry on Saturday. Um, but I've seen the goals. I mean, two lovely goals from Huddersfield. And a decent goal from Rangers. But from what everybody who went there is telling me, despite what you see on social media, where we all know half the people, probably more like 90% of the people on social media didn't even go to the game, 
it sounded like we actually didn't play too badly yesterday. Um, it's just, again, Huddersfield overperformed. You know, we're, we're, we're an attractive team and a lot of sides want to beat us now. So they are upping their game. And I think that happened with both Huddersfield and West Brom. So um, what I would say, though, is that now with Coventry, Coventry's a much bigger game than I was expecting it was going to be when I originally got my tickets. <clears throat> you know, we're taking 4,000 there again, as we did last season. You know, that was a great performance last year, a great win against a pretty decent Coventry team. Great atmosphere. And then we did nothing for the rest of the season after that game, basically. Um, let's hope it's the opposite this year. Let's hope we have a good, good, decent performance at Coventry, do well, go into the World Cup break, and it acts as a springboard for the second half of the season. Very straight. Robert? Yeah, I, I, look, we're in a blip. Uh, but I think there's also been a bit of a reversion to the mean uh, as to sort of where we maybe truly are. Uh, you know, the Bill said his interview about, you know, away at Sheffield United, we were putting bodies on the line and, you know, we clung on and got the win there. And last night, Huddersfield clung on and got the win at us. Um, it was like last night, especially in the minute, it was really frustrating to watch because you're watching attack the defence. Uh, your neck hurts from just looking one way. And uh, it was a little bit maddening as they tried the same thing over and over and over again, Rangers, be that, feed it to Adoma, Adoma gets the byline, Adoma lofts a crossover, three men in the, three Huddersfield defenders versus Lyndon Dykes, so they get it clear. And we, we sort of seem to do that time and time again. Uh, which uh, Beal actually said that he was pleased with the Doma. So obviously it was a, a, a tactic from Beal. Uh, he wanted to get a Doma in, but we, I'm, I'm not worried at all, sort of, you know, you're not sort of looking, oh my God, we're losing four or five nil to useless teams. The only thing that worries me is this, is the set pieces that have sort of come back again, where we, we just concede of set pieces. There's this thing, you know, we, we never win that. If we don't win the first ball or get half a clearance on it, we're never out quick enough to their man. Uh, and it puts us under pressure. That's now two, two last night. Birmingham, uh, with a guy scored a once in a million goal. Rotherham did it against us. Charlton did it against us. Blackburn did it against us. I'm sure I'm missing some, but that's, that's a fair few. And it's, it's a pattern. And I don't know if it's the players not getting out quick enough. I don't know if it's uh, the way the set pieces are designed. Um, but I know, I know this is, that's a bit negative, but still overall, despite four games, no wins, I'm, I'm much more positive than I thought I was going to be. Um, if you'd asked me in August, how do you think you'll feel one game before the World Cup break? Um, they're, they're sick and that's good but I think we also have to remember a lot of these players do have a ceiling and do have there's only so good we're going to go even uh, Tim Aroban in midfield he's been brilliant but he's a 19 year old kid who's learning on the job and guess what he's going to have games where he doesn't affect it as much and when you throw all that in then yeah like you're going to have a blip you can't just win every game that's a fair shot, actually. And I went to Birmingham. Martin, you're right. I thought the Dykes penalty wasn't a penalty, but I thought the one where Armstrong kicked in the head was a penalty. And there's a That's few a other things. Point. And as usual, the, the officials are just rubbish. I mean, there's not much you can say about that. Um, Norwich, we played really well. Um, Norwich are a much better team than people are, are giving them credit for. They, they, they seem to either want to get the manager sacked or the fans want the manager sacked and they're, they're in limbo. But there's a good team there that will eventually hit form at some stage because they're decent. Last, um, West Brom, Paul said, North position, much better side than people give him credit for. We're dangerous, very dangerous on the break. And that shows. And um, nice touch by Donnell Furlong at the end, by the way, to go around and clap the Rangers fans. I mean, I know, you know, maybe didn't, I thought he just thought it was a nice thing to do. He didn't have to do it. And um, I think his, his heart's still there. And I don't know, it was, a, it was a weird one. I think we could have won that game any other time, but we just, they, they were critical and they got a big away support and they seemed happy enough with it. Last night, Huddersfield on the knees. You know, we could have we could have ripped that script, couldn't we? You know, you score early 
I knew it was too early. I knew it. I just thought this is too early. This is this is this is wrong. This is just gonna bite us in the arse and sadly it was wrong. The second goal, I know you mean it might be a good goal, but so easily avoided. I mean, you know, the keeper three yards back would have probably saved it. I don't know, just looping in like that was just a uh, and um we didn't know me last night. We had done exactly the same as Huddersfield. We did time wasted, of course we would. But this thing where officials wait till the 90th minute before booking them so they can't send them off. It's like, why just not book them straight away when they start time wasting? Why wait for that? And you know you can't do anything. And then after they book them, the keeper takes more time and waste. you're better off not bothering. So that's a, But I have to say that your man didn't how badly referees the end. I mean, he just annoys the hell out of me. But I mean... I just feel they're a decent enough side of fact for the life. And if, we, if things went for them last night, the, the two efforts they scored, we, we probably could have scored 150 goals last night. But the thing about Cho, Paul, I don't know, the bit of a weird one, whether he was, he was trying too hard, wasn't he? It was just, you know, the simple, it was, the game was just crying out, just be simple, be clinical, get the point or get the three points. But the, the amount of, Times we went round and then round the players again and got into that and then just put in not so good course and the corners were, were pretty rubbish last night. But Robert, you're right. Someone says in August you're going to be in this position. You're going to be just outside the playoffs, no matter what happens. Well, look, look, this league's mental. You got flipping Sheffield out at tanking Burnley the other day and then getting done by Rotherham at home. You know what I mean? It's just this league is insane. I don't. Anyone and everyone can beat each other. It's, it's just mad how this league is. And I think, you know, I did wonder, there's a, there a fellow behind me last night giving Bill another stick. I thought, that's quicker than I thought. After him staying and turned down Wills, I thought he might get a couple of months reprieve, but same old. <laughs> lose a couple of games. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You're rubbish. I wish you had it going to Wills. I was like, no, stop it. We're, we're, you know, we've got to give these. I mean, he's hit the ground running. I mean, sometimes like Wolverton last season, the victims of their own success, aren't they? They, they do so well, we won't expect it. We still haven't spent a lot of money compared to everyone else. And this league's relentless. It's game after game after game. And we've just got to be patient, I think. I mean, we're going to get games like last night. We're going to get games where we're going to absolutely tank things. It's just the way that this league is. But yes, sorry, I'm waffling now. But, you know, I just I just think Coventry Saturday, we'll talk about it later on, but we just just get a, a wee result there. And I was asked by someone not to mention the fact that I'm very bitter about the World Cup because Northern Ireland are in it. And I say I'm very bitter about it. But to me, there's many other reasons why I'm boycotting this World Cup, and I'm glad no one I'm boycotting it by not winning a single game and qualifying and just not doing anything actually and qualifying. You'll be supporting Wales, will you, Paul? So, Paul, um, <laughs> not now because Tyler Roberts isn't in the squad, he might be 26. Of course, I should be. Let's support yeah. Morocco. It's your only QPR representation. Because Senny Diang yeah. got in the Senegalese team, which seems massively hard. I think that was a... Considering he actually played in the last tournament. Right? Yeah, I think that Senegal post was fake. I, I, they haven't announced their squad yet, Senegal. That was just doing the rounds on uh, right, okay. social media. Because I commented on it, and uh, I can't remember, but a helpful QPR fan said, no, they haven't announced the squad. Oh, that's good. The squad. Um, well, that would be harsh. That would be harsh. Play two games in the tournament, hard. and they're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, um, it's interesting to say about the time wasting because I was reading something um, on the Athletic uh, uh, football site recently, and they're saying that apparently this season is the worst uh, in in like for years in terms of the amount of time the ball's in play. That it's down to twenty minutes a half, and you actually get to think, going, hang on, twenty minutes a half. There's a there's a value for money thing there, and I know all teams are going to waste time. I don't have a problem with players trying to do it, but it is incumbent on the officials, yeah, to do something about it rather than shouting from thirty yards at a goalkeeper to get on with it. Because if you're if you're paying to watch ninety minutes of football and you're actually getting forty, you know, I know, yeah, obviously if it helps you win, you're not we're not you're not going to mind that day. But on another day, it, it comes back around, and it, yeah, it did seem to be like the time wasting at Ardersford was was really like there was an element of going like actually we're paying. To, to watch to watch this nonsense and the referees doing nothing about it, but um, but I think generally like it's interesting you where you were talking about the, the, the reaction to Bill that, that just reminded me of the the, the Rotherham and, and Blackpool run. It just feels a little bit like that again, and the fact we were able to get out of that and and play so well actually makes you think, yeah, don't overreact. It's like you know we're going to have a couple couple of games back to back where it's not going to be so good. We've done that already once this season and turned it around. So. You know, let's not let's not panic quite. Let's not, yeah, let's not wish the manager off the balls too soon. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess the only thing I'm disappointed is that Gavin Ward, I thought last night, was trying to fly his wheel with his arm run. I think he'd forgot he had actually a whistle on the car and he could have used it at any time rather than just doing completely like it was air traffic control. I don't know what was wrong with him, but I guess I'm disappointed because I would like to see this keep an unbeaten record at home as long as possible because I think that's that's the secret of building anything. But, you know, if you look at our squad and you look at the the, I mean, the bench last night, I don't know what you guys thought. I mean, what, what did you think you saw? Bench, there wasn't really a lot of options on it, was it really, let's be honest? No, and, yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's a light squad. Um, it was light against West Brom. It was light there because there's a clutch of players that they've been with us long enough that, um, unfortunately, we know they're not good enough for the championship. In Bond, Shadipo, Thomas... Um, I know Kakai came on and did all right against Reading. And still say touching directly is good enough for the championship. Hamelinen's not good enough. And they're all still around. They're all eating up wages, which, you know, these things happen. But yeah, so and even Sinclair Armstrong, I think, I think there's a bit of a, I really like him. Don't want to knock him. But to me, he has to go out on loan. Has to. He needs to play every week. It, Against Birmingham, I know he came on and he, you know, on the call, I wasn't there, watched it on Sky and I think it was Lee Hendry on the co-coms, really liked him. But, I mean, there were a couple of air shots in there. He, he's not ready. To, to me, in my, in, in my opinion, he's not ready yet. And people sort of say, well, why didn't we bring him on against uh, West Brom earlier? He hasn't scored for us. He's, and, and I, I don't want to know, I, I just think he's not there yet. So, we don't have anything on the bench, as it were. But what I liked maybe six, seven weeks ago was that Beal was sort of getting around that with formation tweaks. You know, we'd go three at the back to release this one. And I, I thought there was maybe something to be said. Was there a way to move Tim further up the field um, to have him start moving past people and, and, and whatnot? Um, and that that sort of hasn't been there the last couple of home games. That would be my disappointment. Um, the the other thing that's that's disappointed me last night was um, I was upset he started Balogun. Um, you know, he's 36, 37 years old. He's here for a year. He's played twice already this week. And you're just sort of thinking... Play Donald Dickey. They might not be better, but there are players next season as well. We've got to develop them. Like we we need to sell them at some point and raise money. That just little wrinkle upset me there. That, and Dunn came on at half time anyway. But um, yeah, I wasn't too too pleased to see our future players, as it were, uh, frozen out for a real short term thing for a home game with Huddersfield. And Bellingham was poor anyway. Interesting. I think he's actually done quite well since he's come from Rangers. He's um, done really well. He's done really well, Balogun. But the thing was, it, for me, he should be there when Clark's all to done and Dickie aren't fit and all three were fit. So Balogun should be our fourth choice centre-back because he's 36, 37 years old. He can't play every week. And mm. Dickie and Jimmy Dunn are investments that we either are going to build a defence round for five, six years or we'll sell on for a profit in a year's time. And if they're not playing, then that's not going to happen. Um, and it's, as, we, as we're saying, like, you know, we've got to calm down. It's only November. Then, yeah, it's only November. It's not a must-win game. No game's a must-win game at this stage of the season. So, the, you know, develop our, our two players that that should be playing. It was a small wrinkle. Oh, one other thing I want to say, on, on the time-wasting, it happens. It's been happening for years. What actually annoys me is, why can't we be the team that lets the ref know they're time-wasting? What are you going to do about it? Why aren't we in the ref's face? It's too passive, and we've been like that for years. And you just think back to Man United under Ferguson, would that team ever have allowed the team to time waste without being right up in the referee's face? And you, you, we should, we should have a tactic for when there's time wasting because every team is going to do it, and hopefully we're going to be not behind in games where we're pushing for a goal because we'll be two three nil up. 
But I, I think we as a team need to know, look, when they start time-wasting, this one, this one, and this one, go up to the ref and point it out, point it out, point it out. And whilst he knows, you put pressure on the ref. Fans are doing it, but if the players are doing it as well, it becomes, you know, you, you can't be. And, and I actually think instead of moaning about the keeper time wasting and the rest, the rest are useless. They're not going to change. We can't change that. But the QPR players can certainly be around the ref saying, what is going on, ref? What's going on? This is a disgrace. You're going to let this go. You're going to let this go. You're stopping your watch. I just think, why can't we be doing more of that? Trouble with Gaffer Ward is you don't know if you're getting his face while you're saying you're up. He's so unpredictable. I think there's a little bit of a fear factor. But it's a very good point, though. You're right, just to Roy King get in the face. Martin, what do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the time-wasting thing is annoying. It's frustrating from a fan's point of view. Players do it. Um, but I think I was talking to Chris Hewitt earlier on today. I wasn't at the game, as you know, last night. But he was saying, you know, booking the goalkeeper right at the very, very end of the game is ridiculous. If you book him early on, that puts pressure on him to stop time-wasting because he knows if he does it again and keeps it up, there's a risk of being sent off. So the referees are just not, frankly, doing their job. That's how I see it. You know, and, and yes, I accept to some degree that's referees. But, you know, I, I have a higher expectation of referees. They've got a job to do. They're paid to do it. They should be doing the job. And a lot of them are not. A lot of them believe in the rules, Martin. Well, so, you, you're probably right there, Paul. Oh, yeah. Uh, the the stages of, I'm, I'm like, that's... You know, especially, don't even stop me when it comes off the um, defending team and they're given offside. It's like, mm. you know, it's just, they don't know basic rules. And I think, and when Gavin Ward, he is unpredictable. I just felt, the t- yeah, the time-wasting was shocking, but, but yeah. he was time-wasting in the second half, first half, book him early second half, and he can't time wait. Book him exactly. in the 90th minute, whatever it was. It's just like, yeah, it takes more, and he takes longer then. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? I think there's a serious issue. If it, if it keeps going down, you're going to end up like, if it's dropped over the last few years and we're now to 20 minutes and a half of the ball's in play, I mean, that's a, that's an issue because people paying for television rights don't want to pay for television rights to watch people, you know, cleaning their boots or whatever, let alone fans in the ground. The referees are there to, like, like Mike says, the referees are there to do the job. I think what's going to happen is people are going to have to get sent off for it. It's the only way they're going to yeah. stop it and we're going to have to have, maybe it's not this season, but a season where they get they get quite ruthless about it in terms of, you know, particularly the obvious ones where it's like, oh, I'm going to put the ball down and move it to this side. I mean, I do think whoever thought it was a good idea to let the goalkeeper pick which side they kick the ball out was literally was a time waste of charter. They might, you know, if it goes out on the right, you kick it on the right. If it goes out on the left, you kick it on the left. That should be it, I think. Agreed. I know, you know, it just it's, you know that whole thing of like when you, you put the ball down and you cut the two defenders and you send them up and all that kind of thing. It should be like if, you, if you've, by ten, you know, some sort of ten seconds. If you if you keep them there, and they you have to play it short, or you can you can hit it long, but they they can they can't then go running off again. I mean, there's there's lots of weird little things I think that just get changed without really, you know, they they're fiddling with the rules, and you go, but they're really basic, glaring things that, that you're just not doing. You know, it's like oh yeah, we 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 changed this. You can you can kick it backwards from a from a from a, set, uh, a kickoff. It's like, but you're not going to deal with time wasting. I mean. Yeah. Just see yeah. what annoys me. I mean, this is a wider point, but what really annoys me about the ref, the way the rules of the football are changed, it seems to always happen without the involvement of the two biggest stakeholders in football, which is football players and football fans. Every season, it's like they've changed. You look, I mean, it's not doesn't affect us yet, but the, the handball rule in the Premier League with VAR, no one knows what it is anymore. And it's going, well, yeah. no one asks the fans and no one asks the players what kind of game they want. It's just this weird bureaucratic class of professionals making decisions but when it actually comes to something that's in their power to sort out they don't do it and I've got, just got out as well and I, I will sound like a terrible old reactionary but the linesman on our side with the white yellow flag was chewing gum for the first half if you can't be bothered to come and run the line and focus on the game it's so boring I've got to chew yeah. gum I mean, what, yeah. we, where do these people come from I thought it was absolutely disgraceful and he missed the blatant foul in the build up to the first goal probably too busy chewing I imagine so no, it's, it is frustrating to me the yeah yeah. Things like time wasting that way, they go, Oh, you know, we're not doing anything about what can we do? And then, and then, and like you say, they often don't know the rules anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and yeah. I think, Paul, building on your point, you know, the, the, the officials, the people that govern the game or whatever, some of the stuff that they do, I think it's just to justify their own existence, you know, because some of the tinkering, it's like, Well, what's that going to achieve? There's nothing positive going to come out of that. It's just proving that they're actually doing something for the sake of doing something. It achieves no positive benefit for anybody it's ridiculous 
There's basically this rule as well. I mean, it's more uh, oof, I'll tell you the right referee ball here, but I like it. <laughs> Um, no, that's it. If we waste if we waste up the time out on Saturday and win the game, who cares? Yeah, right. yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. But like kicking the ball out there in the box from the kick off from goal kick and things like that. I was just like, what? Why? And then as Paul says, going backwards and it's just things yeah. like you're right. Someone's had a bright idea. Of like I'm on 145,000 pounds a year. I've got to think of something really stupid, you know? Because that's just. You know, you get rid of the back pass and so the game flows and you bring in other measures to make it stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. I mean, it should be simple. Goal kick, you've got three or four seconds to do it. Go, ball in hand, six seconds. That's it. It's simple. It's not that difficult, you know. And if, yeah. and if they don't do it, you book them and that's it. It's, it's in the rules. Six seconds, bang, you can book them. It's not, it's not difficult. But I mean, I don't know. I, I do, I, I just, Stroud, Gavin Ward is starting to get in my nerves like, Strode now. It's kind of every time he turns up, he just he, he makes it about himself. But you know, I take not away. Listen, Huddersfield did a job on us last night. You know, it was it was they put everything behind the ball, and you know, it went for the middle times. We'll, we'll beat them four or five nil. But last night we got beat. I'm just hoping. I don't know what you think, Robert. I'm just hoping it doesn't turn into a kind of a a situation where people are getting, as we said earlier on, on the referees back, getting on the players back, and everything else. Because the season hasn't been that bad. It, it's okay. I don't think anyone will get the players back because they're they're trying. They're giving a hundred percent. I won't get on a play. I know I moaned about Balogun earlier. It gives a hundred percent. So I'm not going to in the stadium. I'm not going to get on his back, tie no. the media and slag him off. I've seen a few grumblings about chair and always he's trying to do it all himself. And I, I just sort of think bloke's got the captain's armband on. We're struggling. I don't. You know, fine. Go and get the ball. Go and try and take... It didn't come off for him, but I'd say he tried to take the game by the scruff of the net. Look, he'll be better for that experience and he's our player. Um, I, I love Elias Chair anyway. I, yes, he holds on to the ball, I think, too long because the options weren't there. Movement was poor yesterday. Willow is not fit in the slightest. I mean... We are, so we've rushed him back, but you'd like to think you, you think how slow they were bringing him back at the start of the season. You know, never more than sixty minutes. When he played twenty minutes at Norwich, and then it was um, pretty much a full game against West Brom, and seventy-five odd minutes last night. Given you know, we're putting a lot on him. Uh, but which, uh, yeah, look, we, the fan, the fans stayed with him last night. Fans stayed with them against West Brom. I think we, as a fan base, are more than happy with... It's a young group of players. They're giving their all for QPR. I've got no gripes with the players. The the only one that looks that maybe it might just be his demeanour on the pitch is... um, Is it Taylor Roberts? Roberts or which one? The Welsh striker. I've gone all confused. Roberts, Roberts, Roberts. I get them mixed up. But Roberts, um, it might just be the way he, he walks around the pitch. People used to say, yes, he looks lazy and disinterested, but that wasn't the case at all. Um, but yeah, no, the fans are still with him. I don't think anyone will get on their back. If they go to Coventry and lose 4 0 and are absolutely pathetic, then the, the way fans will boo. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that will happen. Snoopy's making his usual podcast yeah. appearance. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so he, he didn't mean Richard. Nobody <laughs> came on, actually, in fairness. He, he did all right. I mean, there's reasons to be cheerful and reasons to be hopeful, isn't it, Paul? Even after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had a lot of injuries as well to like really creative key players. I mean, Tyler Roberts has just missed out on the World Cup. Um, and, you know, so you hope, you know, maybe he'll have this month just training. Maybe, you know, maybe when he comes but you know, back and he, you know, in a against Burnley, he'll be fully fit and we'll have him great to the end of the season. You, and, you know, it's like the same with the centre-backs in the weird one. I mean, I imagine with, with Balogun was probably not signed to play week in, week out, but you have had, obviously, injuries to Dunn and, and Dickey, which is, and, and, and uh, Clark Salter. So, you know, I guess he's probably played more than anyone was expecting. I, I did wonder as well, you know, the World Cup uh, break has is, is completely changed. Something It's changed how managers and players approach the season. You wonder... Because you know you're going to get a month off. You wonder how many people, perhaps, where they might have paced themselves, you might have rotated the squad a bit more at this point in the season if you weren't going to get a month off. You've gone, oh, let's just go for it. And maybe we're reaping that a little bit with some tight performances because everyone's gone, oh, it's okay, we've got this month. Whereas 
we might have been a lot more, you know, paced out in terms of if, if we were playing for the bulk of December. So, you know, I think we should be cheerful. I think we started well. The manager stayed when he he, he could have gone. You know, look you, you look at Luton now. That looks like their manager possibly will be off to uh, Southampton. Um, you know, and then that, that 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 throws them just before through everything like that. You know, I, I I think we should be like look like like Mike, Mike McBill says himself. Let's start panicking in March if it's all gone terribly wrong. But yeah. but panicking in November, you like like so there are no must win games in November. There's no need to panic in November. And, he, and even and even if the worst happens against Coventry, because they are, are a decent side. I mean, we've still got a month. Everyone everyone can get get back together, work on some tactics. I think that's where I think what really ple- has pleased me about McBill as a manager is the longer he's had the players, the more the better they've got in terms of how they change during games. You know, you know, just the coaching is great. So to have a month in the middle of the season when you've got practical examples you can look back on and say you did that badly defending set pieces that, that you can work on. I think I think we should be cheerful, yeah. Yeah. I think we miss Johansson massively as well, especially last night. Um, we, we really miss that sort of cute passer in midfield. A lot of times uh, Field had the ball and you don't want Field on the ball, as it were. You want him winning the ball and giving it to Johansson and his set pieces, you know, 14 corners, whatever, yesterday. Um, so it would be, be important to get him fit because he can, he can help move us, switch play quickly as well. Um, he's been a really big miss, I think. Yeah, I don't know if you remember a certain manager always used the words fine margins, Martin, uh, last season. And I think it's funny because you know, you kind of think if Willock shot had got in against Norwich, you think, oh, that's a great situation. That, that's that's great. It's yeah. fine. Richards comes on last night, has a couple of shots, get you know, you think, oh, he's done it again, like, but alas, it didn't work so. We've been a wee bit unlucky like that as well. But what did you think of Richard's last night? I thought he, he did well. Well, I wasn't at the game, so I can't really comment. But <laughs> I mean, if if I if I look at the whole yeah, part of the season, the reality is going into the World Cup break, if you'd told me at the beginning of the season we would most likely be in the top six, I would have snapped your hand off for it. Yeah, exactly. That's how I see it. And to be fair, we're not just in top six. We were top for a while, but I did tell all my friends that we'd last and we'd, 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 yeah. we'd, we'd, and we are. But it's kind of, I maybe in some respect, you know, with the wolves thing and everything else, I mean, you know, it, it kind of put a wee bit of pressure on things and it's, it's affected. I mean, the only thing we can hope for now is that if your man going to Hampton, that Luton totally implode and get relegated, that would make my season. <laughs> and I suspect Southampton will probably get relegated too because I don't rate him. <laughs> his wee hamster face as he oh, sees he's, two his mind's in the same season. He's, he's he's perfect for Luton, really, isn't he? And Stoke. Why is it because they kind of suit each other? Yeah. He is, yeah. He is he is he is he is just a weird bloke. I mean you kind of and, and that's the thing about Bale I quite like is when he does press and but when he does things the way he conducts the play, he is decent. Um, Absolutely. You know, he, He'll need time. He's just yeah. done better than what people thought he would do straight yeah. away. Yeah. But, you know. the, the Luton guy is not a Premier Division manager. Beal is. Beal next season or soon after will be managing in the Premier Division, hopefully with QPR. And if it's not with QPR, it will be with somebody else. Yeah, you're probably right. And I think he knows that, which is why he probably thought Wills could be a bullet worth dodging. And he, yeah. he, he's focused on his career. Now, Martin, you did. A very good evening with Simon Sinrod the other evening. Um, do you want to tell us a wee bit about it? Yeah, uh, absolutely, Paul. I mean, it's only two weeks ago today that I found out I was uh, I was involved. I got a call from uh, a guy called Stephen, who I think was uh, put on to uh, to me by yourself, Paul. So thank you for doing that. And um, he needed some support with comparing the event, and uh, I think ticket sales had been a little bit disappointing as well. But Stain Rob was a great player. I mean, I saw probably 75% of Stain Rob's games that he played between 1980 and 85. I was very, very regular at that time between about the age of 17 and whatever. And um, Stain Rod was uh, what you would expect. He was um, confident. He was, uh, <laughs> um, he had a lot of stories. Uh, the audience had a great time. Uh, we were able to get in plenty of time for audience questions as well as the questions 
that I'd prepared. Um, I need to give credit to Chris Guy, the club historian, because he did a lot of great prep and came up with a lot of areas for questioning for me. But, you know, we had a lot of very knowledgeable fans in the audience. You know, people like Martin Beatty were there and Chris Hewitt and, and, and you know, Ron and people like that. Mel was there. Uh, everybody had a really good time. Stainrod was on great form. Um, you know, everybody had a few beers and everything. It was a fun evening. And, and it, it could have been, frankly, a flop, Paul, because it was a cold, wet, miserable Sunday night. Um, and, and for a lot of people, it was like, yeah, normally I'd come out, but, you know, I've got other commitments, et cetera, et cetera, which is completely understandable. People have got families and other things that they need to get on with. But we had a decent turnout. I'm not sure actually what the number was in the end of the day, but it was a great deal of fun. And the feedback has been first class from people. Uh, and Stainrod was a class act. He really was. He was very witty, very funny, quite controversial, um, spoke about a lot of things that a lot of players would not speak about. I mean, the thing is, he's, he's 63 now. He's been an agent for the last 25 years. I mean, he's made his money. So, frankly, he didn't care. And what was surprising for me was that he said, and he's clearly not a bullshitter, the favourite club that he played for was Queen's Park Rangers. You know, he's clearly got a huge amount of affection for our team. And that was great to hear. Um, and it came off the back of a bit of a tour. He'd done Falkirk the night before, where he's a complete legend. You know, they love him in Falkirk. My mum's my family are from the next town, Boness. And so I know Falkirk fairly well. And, and they just love Stainrod there. And then on Thursday night, he was in Dundee, where they love him as well. So he's a charismatic player. You know, he's the sort of player, let's be honest, you know, guys, we don't see these days, you know, yeah. in terms of his panache, his swagger, his approach to the game. But that's all part of his personality. And he's still got that. So it, it was it was a lot of fun. And I disagree with him in the greedy thing. I think, as I said last week, he was more an entertainer than greedy. But some people see it's a similar sort of thing. I don't see it like that. Did he yeah. tell the Muller story? The which story? Muller on the plane. Oh, of, well, of course. <laughs> so do you want me to uh, recount yeah, it? Or... You as well, weren't you? Well, it was interesting because I did sort of semi-jokingly say to Simon, when you tell the Mullery story, I was sat two rows away. So I know what happened. No pressure, uh, which he, he reacted to very, very well. He was amused by that. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, for the benefit of anybody listening who, who who's not aware of what we're talking about, 84-85 uh, was Rangers' only ever second season in Europe. And as we all know, there hasn't been a third one since then in 38 years. Um, and uh, we played Reykjavik in the uh, the first round, won easily, both in Iceland and at Highbury, where we had to play because of the artificial pitch and uh, UEFA didn't allow artificial pitches at that time. And the next round was Partizan Belgrade. At that time, obviously a top Yugoslav team. And they were a very good team, although they lost 6-2 in the first leg. Uh, pretty much everything that we hit went in um, and they didn't have a lot of luck. They did score an incredible goal. I remember one of their goals was, was a brilliant effort. Um, but Mullery being Mullery, uh, unlike Terry Venables, he went into the second leg, fairly lackadaisical, no real instructions to the players, uh, selected one or two of the younger members of the squad, probably just to give them a bit of match practice and things like that rather than take it seriously and realising that we needed to put out a full team. Um, and, you know, cut a long story short, we got hammered 4-0 and we were the first British club to manage to go away and lose a 6-2 lead, which takes some doing. I'm not even sure if it's been beaten subsequently. Um, so that takes some doing. Uh, from a supporter's point of view, it was a great trip. You know, we had a wonderful time. We were on the plane with the players. It was a Monarch Airlines uh, flight from uh, Luton into Belgrade and we went out on the Monday and came back immediately after the game on the Wednesday night. Um, but on the way back after losing 4-0, um, a lot of the players were very down. Um, you know, they were, they were clearly depressed and it had been a bit rough for them. When I remember talking to both Gary Waddock and Alan McDonald on the shuttle bus from the airport terminal to the actual plane. And they were saying that when they came out to warm up, there was stuff like coach bolts and, bloody great lumps of metal and iron being chucked down at them as they were coming up to warm up. So that must have been a bit unsettling for them. But Stainrod already had uh, his issues with Mullery. 
And he started uh, singing with the players, going down, going down, going down as we were coming into land. And Mullery was having a go at him. And there was various swearing taking place. And, you know, Stainrod clearly told him to F off, which didn't go down very well. Um, and, and all in all, it was a pretty unforgettable night. Uh, but the Stainrod was, uh, was was very frank about the whole thing. And he, he, he admitted that, you know, looking back, he still is angry that the club managed to throw away a 6-2 lead, albeit against a good side, but we shouldn't have lost that game with better tactics and a better manager. If, for example, Terry Venables had still been the manager at the time, he would have said, play it tight, play it Italian style, get into them, be defensive, maybe catch them on the break. Basically, Mullery didn't give any tactical advice whatsoever because, as we all know, Mullery wasn't a tactician. He was a pretty decent player, but he wasn't a decent football manager. No, I think he's pretty rubbish myself, but hey-ho. Um, yeah, I, I heard, yeah, yeah, there's lots of stories of big grade about Mullery, but, you know, he's, he's fine Gordon, I. She was in the Hey? <laughs> of course. It's a shame he didn't find a tactic board, but hey ho. Um, yeah. yeah, that, that was this good. It'd be good to do more things like that, get the all players down and, and, and talk to them. Because you're right, footballers sometimes are so media trained and so media savvy yes. now, don't really get anything out of them. And people like him, Steenrod, not only great players, but just great entertainers and just characters. Just uh, absolutely. And also, Paul, there's no pressure on them. You know, they've had their careers. They're doing whatever they're doing now, you know, and, and and fortunately the club is now inviting the players back. They weren't very good, as you know, at doing that at one time. In fact, one of the times, I think it was maybe the first time I was on the podcast when uh, you asked me to interview Ian Gillard, you know, Gilly went off on one and criticising the club for the way they treated uh, former players, et cetera, et cetera. But give credit to the club. They listened to that. They created forever ours. Um, it's not perfect. We all know that there's room for improvement with these things, but there's a lot of players come back. You know, players like Don Givens, who I wasn't sure would ever come back to Rangers. But I said, look, if you're going to try and get Don back, get Terry Mancini with him because they were good mates and they played for the Republic of Ireland together. And apparently they had a fantastic evening that night. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. It was a midweek game against Barnsley. But, you know, a lot of players are now saying very, very good things about Rangers as a club. And that wasn't always the case for much of the 90s and the 2000s. And as we know, particularly during the Paladiri, Paladini era and Briatori and Eccleston, I mean, the, the club's history was not to be talked about. They didn't like anybody harking back to what they perceived people were thinking were the good old days. So things are much better. There's stuff being talked about, maybe getting the 92-93 squad back together again next season. Obviously, the, you know, the first season in the Premiership, finishing top London club, etc., so there's talk of maybe an event for that in the spring, which would be great. And we've got other good anniversaries coming up, like the 82-83 Second Division Championship season and 72-73 promotion as well. Probably can't cover all of those in a short space of time, but it's not through want of effort. And, and, and you know, it's great to see the old players back. Um, and they are a different generation of players. You know, they're much more laid back. They like a beer. They're happy to chat. Um, and it's great fun for the fans, particularly for those of us of a certain age. Well, I mean, I think we first, I remember we were, we were talking to players and it was sad when we first started the podcast. You say to them, oh, you know, have you been back to Rangers? And they go, no, I haven't been back for 20 years, 30 years. And you're like, well, why? It's like, well, we're never asked. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, and if anything came out of that, and, and then I think getting that these on the board is a, is a massive stroke because a, a, a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's good, like, you know, because we, we despite what people think, we have got a good history. It's not we bad. We do. You know, it's, I remember once arguing with Paladini, as, as I did, and all these other people, they were just like, saying, we're going to make this club famous. I was like, it's already famous. What are you talking about? You know, it's like this club has done so many good things. And yeah. So many, so many things. But as you know, things were given away and done that shouldn't have been done. When I say give away, like, you know, like, secret to the fans and players bollocked in front of the fans. And it wasn't well run. And, it was a bad feeling. I think a lot of players didn't want to come back because, you know, Mullery didn't get almost on player. That's just sad, but hopefully, like, that will come back and enjoy themselves more and feel part of it again. Because one thing I've noticed in this podcast, people always say we. They never yeah. say that. They say we. Yeah. And 
know that that means a lot, and and, and certainly the the Gillard interview. Yes, he was angry, but I think that was more of a of a plea of you it, know. It was, it was frustration, and you know he now loves coming back to Rangers. You know he absolutely adores it, which is great. And his son Nigel, you know he he said to us, look, you know, Dad is so happy when he gets an invitation to go back to QPR. Mm-hmm. You know, which is it's great to hear. I mean, the, the one I enjoyed seeing back um, was Mark Lazarus. I think yes. He Thorn if he didn't have a tenure either way, he went to every single corner of that ground and yeah. it. He, he, he loved it. Uh, but yeah. there's been some surprising ones, Paul. You know, people like Steve Burke. You know, I always jokingly used to say Steve Burke made a record number of football combination appearances, but he also played in the FA Cup final replay and he was a regular under Venables until about 82, 83. He had a great time when he came back. He loved it. Even Ernie Howe, who used to get quite a lot of stick from the Rangers fans. He had a good time when he came back. And it's lovely to see. It really is. But you never please him. Listen, you never please everyone. And not everyone's always available. Well done. You do it. And, uh, keep it going and, and get more people involved. And I think maybe one thing we could do is have historical evenings. I've always said this. To I agree. To do like, There's loads of things I can do. Just get yeah. it back in Monday. Right, get yeah. him back on track. We've got... um. Back on track. Listen to me take them on radio three, four, seven, five, not four. I'll never get radio four. No chance. I don't do football. Mm. Anyway, um, so Coventry, right? This do we do we do we bother going? It's a massive away crowd. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's easier to get to Jupiter. Um, <laughs> ah, I mean, it could be brilliant. It could be another tragedy waiting to happen. But what what do you, how do you see it going? I think they'll win. I think Rangers will win. Uh, I don't know why. I don't think we're that bad as a team. Uh, I haven't won in four. Do a win. That's football, isn't it? There's no science behind my prediction, I'm afraid. I just think they'll win. <laughs> you think the fans should stay outside, Paul, and pretend we're not there, so that it's an empty away until we, we score and play one. We'll go in and surprise them. <laughs> what made Coventry a ghost town? Oh, Ooh. very good. Very good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be looking forward to I mean, Bristol City was the one for me, which I thought was going to be an absolute disaster. Train strike, getting, you know, getting all effort to get there. There was a big crash or something in Bristol itself. I think it took four hours to get there. But we've definitely lost this when I got into the ground. And so I've, I'm hoping it's a similar sort of situation because it will be a kind of a bit of a struggle to get there thanks to the... Uh, I think the train company don't really know if they're running trains or not, yeah. even at this stage. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we have to be remembered that Coventry obviously are lower in the division where they, where they should be because they obviously had a load of games not played due to the pitch being wrecked by the Commonwealth Games and all that kind of stuff. And so they are a better side than, than their, their position. So I suggest, so I think we can't go in there thinking, right, this is going to be a nice and easy rollover. And obviously we've had two, two warning games of what teams lower down the table will can do. So... I, I I don't know. I want to do the football. I don't want to jinx anything. But I, you know, I'm I'm look put it this way. I'm looking forward to going to see Queens Park Rangers play commentary this this Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. there have been times when I've gone to away games like down the years where it's just like you, you go out of loyalty rather than enjoyment. So it's nice to be in a season for a couple of seasons now. To be fair, but it's nice to be in a season when you're going to away games, going like, yeah, it should be a good day out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my view, Paul, 4,000 away fans, Coventry away last season was probably the best away day that I've had in years. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, we nicked a win there, um, but I'm confident that Bill will get the tactics right. Having lost to West Brom, having lost to Huddersfield, I think he'll be geeing the players up. I'm reasonably confident about Saturday. Um, we all know that a big away support does not necessarily mean a good Rangers away win, but I'm hoping that's not the case on Saturday. So, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be good. And it will be certainly nice to go into the World Cup break with a, a decent performance under a belt. I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be an absolute... It's going to be a great day. This is all the day after the crack before the World Cup. We can then get a win, win to the World Cup as happy people. Although I'm not allowed to do the joke again of what World Cup. I'm Northern Irish. These things don't exist. Ho, ho, I'm laughing at myself. Um, and um, I, I don't know. It's just... It's just, it's just it's a hope that kills you, but also I don't do the panic button being pressed yet. I just want the players to keep expressing themselves, keep doing what they're doing, keep the fans on side, which they're doing. Everyone enjoys themselves. 
And it's a good point. Everyone, well, you, you made a good point there. Everyone enjoyed themselves at away games because it was a time when away games were literally like pulling teeth. You're sitting there yeah. and you're like, Christ, not. And then 30 seconds into the game, a freaking the, the net bulging and the players are heads down. You're like, ah, I'm going back to the pub. Um, and that's not happening. That's good. You know, it's just, it's just, I think it's also to do with the safer standard at range as well as created that kind of five amongst the fans. And we're taking that to away games with it as well. Um, yeah. I, I love the safe standing and the rail seating. I think it's 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 fantastic, and I'm glad that the club eventually agreed to do it because it's made a big difference. I think James Grant has made a, a, a big. It's a good idea. Listen, the the the, the this brilliant. No one can say it it's good. So I thought it would take about a year to settle down to get everyone involved. And now you're thinking to yourself, well, could they move it a bit more across without upsetting anyone? And blah blah. I you agree. Know, I would hope next season it's the whole of the lower loft, frankly. Yeah, and geez, I'll bring you back to the youth. Flip a deck behind the goal when it was young with Russell Green and all them not Jesus. Now, we're going to do our R's end and then we'll do... I don't know, we've done predictions. I kind of didn't read the script properly there. There you go. Gavin Ward just got into my head and ruined it. Right. <laughs> Have you got an R's end, Paul? Um, just I saw today they were announcing that. Is it Livingston behind closed doors? as a friendly or can we, can we not go to some of these games be nice wouldn't it and I'll, I'll, yeah. as a self-employed person I'm, I'm available if they need someone to go and shout at the linesman uh, um, during the game against Livingston as it, as it is at Loftus Road and, you know I know Millwall I think have organised games and they're selling tickets and stuff and yeah maybe uh, maybe think about letting a few of us letting people in you know, if it's because it's not going to be massive but you know you might get a few people yeah. down because by that time you know we'll be watching so much we'd be so starved of live football I'd be quite keen to go to a game yeah I'd, show. I'd, I'd like to see Livingston you know why not another, another team to take off your list of teams you've seen live in the flesh but like when we played Dundee United at Barnum for some strange reason a few years back so yeah no reason at all Martin by the way is that you or was Paul that, that was it yeah can I, can I go can I come to the football match please Mr. Mr. Yeah. Host I'm yeah and I'd love to come to uh, yeah, so um, n- nothing in particular, no, nothing earth shattering, Paul, just that the season has been enjoyable. It's been more enjoyable than I was expecting. You know, thank you for inviting me back onto the podcast. I always enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of Rangers fans have got the buzz back this year, which is nice. You know, we had it, we thought, at the first half of last season, up until Coventry away. And then let's face it, we did nothing after Coventry away last season. And that's why Warburton lost his job. Uh, but it's been a decent first part of the season. Let's keep the ball rolling um, and continue to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, Phil, you're always welcome to the podcast, Martin. As you are, for you don't matter. Because what, you, what you've forgotten, I don't even know about QPR. So, you know, you're an absolute... Gee, you, you must... There's nothing you forget. It's brilliant. I'd love to have I, I don't know that. what I had for breakfast this morning, Paul, but I can tell you who we played in November 1973. Uh, in fact... It, uh, 48 years 49 years tomorrow was Coventry coincidentally because <laughs> it was my is. first home it's my first home game oh nice one just proving that's your... how I remember it first game I seen was against Coventry as well there you go many years ago very good Robert I was in um, yeah, yeah. Do you know, I assume we're our away kit on Saturday uh, we haven't picked up a point in it this season we haven't actually scored a goal in the away kit this season. <laughs> we wore it at Blackburn, lost one 0 Wore it at Swansea, and lost one 0 Wore it at Birmingham and lost two 0 um, I can't think of another time we've worn it. So hopefully we break the jinx of the away kit. <laughs> That'll be good. Yeah. Did we wear against Charlton? No. I was we did. We wore it at Haller in uh, the pre-season. Yeah, we want yeah, Wilson okay. in the pre-season, pre-season as well. but yeah. I'm not counting it. For my R's end, I'm not counting it. Uh, no, and I don't believe me. So you think the Barcelona stylish away kit is a bit messy for us? Oh, very good, Paul. <laughs> i tell you what, it's probably done very well for Francis in the club shop, though. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, we've sold a lot of them. I think we have. It, to be fair, it, it does look nice. I mean, you know. I'm getting too old for kids because I'm too fat and bald now. But um, it's it's a, last year's black kit is a is a favourite of mine. That'll be a favourite for a long time. 
Yeah. We'll be bringing to bring back Dennis the Menace, though, I think, next season. It's been too long. We, we yeah. need him back. Far too yeah. long. Robert, um, any anything else? I was in. I was it. Anything else? Sorry. <laughs> by the way, we're talking about this. Of course, Robert's family used to make the QPR kit. Did you know that? You say, you say this every week, and every really? time I say they weren't in, they weren't in the factory stitching the kits. They were in the box. My dad was holding the Coxball teeth back in the day. Oh, excellent. They were, they were good kits, Robert. I like the Coxball teeth ones. They were nice. Like I, say, what, I wish I could say I designed them. Again, <laughs> it wasn't really anything to do with me. But thank yeah. you for the credit. Paul. It was a very good co- no, Coxball teeth Dennis the Menace one. I've, I've yeah, still got the long sleeve version. Of it, yeah, so nice. Still, still nice. gets out of it. So, so yeah. Well, like if you've got some stashed away in the uh, in the locker, I, I wish we had. I, well. I wish I did because they'd be trendy in retro now, but I don't. Absolutely, be worth a fortune. Uh-huh. I, I I begged for that white one for the playoff banner, but never finally got one. I offered all kinds of weird. I used to I used to bribe him with flowers and give me options. Then there's a gone. But um, yes, but you, I know you didn't stitch your kid, but you know it's, it's quite a niche little thing to have. You're thinking, well, you know, we, we dad helped make the QPR kids. Yeah. At least he didn't stitch the club up. That's a last That's true. Oh, he didn't stitch the club up. Oh, oh. Never doing another joke ever again. I'm awful. It's shocking. Um, I know that my R's end, funny enough, is aimed at the Gilbert family yet again. And the on Monday night, the uh, grief encounter, Charlie set up by Rob's family, his auntie and his mom and his uncle and everyone um, for people who have lost parents when they're young. Um raised a million pounds at the Roundhouse. And um, wow. it's it's an amazing, an amazing charity. Anyone who needs the, the, the help will be, yeah, they'll be, they're just amazing. And they, you help so many people and, and, and listen to the stories when you're there setting up and everything is heartbreaking. But wow, very proud of your family, Rob. It's, it's uh, amazing. it's amazing, yeah. I didn't know you were going to say that. I'm now worried, but if you... Uh... I think it's, and I'll double check, griefencounter.org.uk. Uh, and they're a charity that my aunt set it up. Uh, and they, they help three children, is sort of the, the top line of it. Uh, incredible, incredible work they do. And yet they held their um, big charity fundraiser on Monday night and raised a lot of money. For, a, for a, a very, very worthy cause. Uh, if unfortunately your life has been touched by anything like that, um, do look them up. They, they are fantastic and they, they really will help. They really are brilliant. Sounds good. And and here's another thing on the Gilbert family I didn't know. Oh well, I've got to stop now. Your mum's dad was a QPR fan as well, wasn't, wasn't he? Yeah, my mum and both, both my parents QPR fans, both sides of the family. No, I don't know. And, and I, I take it it wasn't QPR that brought them together. This is a, a random... It wasn't QPR. My mum my is loosely a QPR fan, let's put it that way. Um, but it wasn't QPR that brought them together. Maybe it kept them together. We'll never know. <laughs> well, you see, it, it, like our sanity, it's kept us going. I mean, if you say so, Paul. No, I'm telling you what. The trouble is, when you top the league, right, and then, and then we will end the podcast because people want to get on with their lives. I understand that. Who listens to this? But we all knew, didn't we? When we were top of the league, we all knew it wouldn't last, and we all knew it would just go like that a wee bit. And it's fine. But all these other people are like, "Oh, you're just very negative. These don't keep you off. You're going to win the league." It's like, oh, oh. And then Martin brings it round. You're quite right. 6-2 in Europe. What could possibly go wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. Paul, my first match was Middlesbrough away, September 1970. 2-0 up after five minutes. We lost 6-2. Yeah, like last night, scored a bit too early. Get everyone to yeah. the top of it. Take yeah. it to the hill and kick you straight back down again. Exactly. Yeah. Too much, but too young to use a Indeed. <laughs> Is there anything? Is it? Is it? Is there anything else you want to say about Coventry songs? Like, I don't know, missing en- enjoy yourself. So another Coventry reference for the specials on Saturday. I, I was trying to do my missing words one as well. You see, <laughs> that'd be good for the selector. I, I, yeah. I hope we take. I hope we take three points away from here to to reference the enemy, who are another band, Coventry. Yes, great band. 
They had, actually, funny enough, the lead singer is also a Glen Thorne fan. A, a, a glory hunter. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Yes, indeed. But anyway, we must end the podcast because people are going to be falling asleep on the train and they're going to be hating us. But listen, Paul, as always, and I, and I love the number 10 shit behind you as well every time we do this podcast, uh, in reference to staying on as well. The, the number yeah. 10. Um, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. Martin, you're going to come on more often, mate. Got to get you Thank on. you, Paul. I've enjoyed it. Your knowledge is frightening. It's scary. You and Clive scare me, the things you remember. <laughs> and um, Rob, it's always good to see you, mate. And um, hopefully I'll see you soon. See you and, soon. Um, hopefully bring them points back from Coventry. And um, yes, and make their way in like a ghost town, as Paul would say. <laughs> Take side. Don't go in. Give it 10 minutes. Right. This has been a Thanks for joining us. And good luck on Saturday. You are.